0: This is Living Connected, and we are your hosts, Katie and Jeremy. In this episode, Jeremy and I have a conversation about how we use NVC in our workplace and in our families. The situations that come up in the workplace for me were making sure students are listening and ready to learn and respect the pronouns of others in how they want to be identified and exploring students' needs in an acro yoga setting. We all have many different cultures and dynamics in how our families function and operate. NVC has helped me see underneath the worry that my dad has for me, or how Jeremy's dad has for his mom. When we can see the bigger picture of the needs underneath, we can follow those with a deeper sense of compassion. I hope you enjoy this conversation with me and one of our Living Connected listeners, Jeremy. Please don't hesitate to email or record a voice memo for me to listen to and attach it in the email. I would love to hear from you. The email is in the description of every episode at the bottom. Let's dive into this exploration.
1: (laughs) Okay, okay, sounds good.
0: All right, welcome, Living Connected. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you're back for another week. Whoop whoop! I love the hands (laughs) up. Yep, we have a special guest today. His name's Jeremy, and he's from the UK. And we are gonna definitely get talking about some work and family and NBC and digging digging deep and what that looks like in real life. (laughs) And funny thing, I mentioned this last uh, episode. And I'm editing it right now. So I was like, oh my gosh, this guy from the UK like emailed me. And so yes, I love the fact that you had this courage and bravery to just email and be like, hey, I want to talk about some more of this NBC stuff. Can I be on your podcast? And I was like, yes. Yes, you can. Be my guest. Absolutely. So I don't know. I hope this inspires others too, that if you have like this... Feeling inside of your heart that you just want to share and just be my guest or my co-host for an episode, I'd love that. And so here we are. Here's Jeremy. I don't. Um, I know that you live in the UK, but what other things can you tell us about you? Uh,
1: yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It's it's always it's always so nice to hear when you've had an impact on people. You know, like when you say, "Oh, you met like that," makes me feel really good when you say, "Oh, you mentioned me uh, on this other podcast you just recorded." so yeah that feels really good and i was i was really happy to reach out i think i want to i want to talk about this stuff more publicly because i feel like i've been doing so much of this like in my sort of private life with family and i just want to scream it from the rooftop so i'm like you and i have talked about this right but like (laughs) everyone should be doing this kind of thing um i'm i don't know i sometimes i think i'm terrible with introductions i i you know, my thing is I really want to understand who I'm speaking to and who my audience is, right? So without, anyway, what I'll say is 38 years old, live in London, worked in tech for the last 10 years. I have long been interested in human behavior. I think a lot of that is just trying to understand myself, how I can sort of exist and thrive in the world. And now I try and use what I've learned to solve every relational problem I come across.
0: I love it. I love that you were like, I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. I'm like, me too. I'm going to join you in that.
1: <laughs> yes. Let's do it. We need we need more of us.
0: Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I'm going to let you know a little bit about my day and how I'm feeling. I'm feeling really happy and grateful. And I just got off work uh, doing some acro yoga with the kids. And, nice. you know, there's always a couple of times where I just got to be like, you know, I'm sort of in the yellow and red zone and feeling very frustrated because there's just a lot of you who are very distracted and I really want to trust you that you'll be able to do this safely and by doing that is by listening and you know voices Aww. should be off while I'm instructing and it's hard I mean it's hard for kids they're with their friends or they don't want to sit still and Aww. so there was kind of a lot of that today and that's okay it comes with the territory you just gonna have to be like you know what we're gonna wait and until mm. all of you are looking at me and paying attention, um, then we can move forward. But for right now, we only have so much time left. And yeah, so there, it, it, NVC is just used constantly. And I'm trying my best to really reflect how I feel and what I'm mm. needing from them so that we can have a very successful time together and having fun stacking safely so that no one gets hurt. So yeah, it's quite interesting to incorporate NVC into that and, like, be fuming and, like, trying to keep it in, mm. you know. But it's serious, though. Like, when you do acro, like, it's serious when you are trying to show them how to stack right so that each other isn't going to get hurt. Right. And it's important. And I want them to take it just as much serious as I do and then also have that fun, too.
1: Cause, right. Because, you know.
0: Acro is supposed to be fun.
1: Right. <laughs> Sorry, I, I thought you were talking about the, the kids and then you were talking about acro. Do you teach the kids acro? Is that the same thing? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Is that awesome? (laughs) Uh, It's so cool. Oh, my God. Yeah, I just, the gig uh, is, oh, it's just amazing. So, the school that I used to substitute at, one of the teachers there had put together, she's the theater drama teacher, and she basically, through Parks and Rec, Mm -hmm. through the district, they signed up like every week kids can come and sign up for this camp. So it's like a summer camp. And I'm part of, we split everyone that comes to the camp into four groups. Those four groups go to four different artists and I'm one of them. And one of them is acro yoga, And so I teach four groups, all ages from probably kindergarten, eh, maybe going on to first grade to probably fifth grade, about 10. Yeah. And they love it. And we stack on top of each other and they walk and they get creative. It's super cool. They just have a ball. <laughs> it's oh, so sounds, much fun.
1: That sounds amazing. And can I can I ask Katie with yeah. the um the you speaking about your needs and feelings? Do you see them ever sort of take that up? And do you, do you know what I mean? Do you see them starting to sort of? Do that as well? Or
0: is, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Like if I'm using words such as trust and safety yeah. um, within those needs and yeah. feeling a little scared or feeling uncomfortable, they totally use that. And then, of course, I'm like, that's very fair mm. because sometimes you're putting your trust in someone who's supposed to hold you up. Right. But if right. that person doesn't feel stable, then you're not going to feel safe and trust them to hold you up. Right. Also, having spotters, too, help that as well. So having spotters help the flyer feel a lot safer because if you know you're not going to fall or you're not you're going to come to the ground safely then there might be a little bit more trust there Uh. so they start using a little bit more of that language in that way Mm. it's slow though and i think trust and safety are typically the two that i use a lot Mm. um and some people don't feel comfortable being Mm. a flyer or a base you know sometimes they just want a spot and that's okay too yeah it's very interesting to see them using the language as well mm. and i also do a lot of interpreting too so mm. you know filling in those things that they say with a need instead
1: right right
0: yeah yeah
1: i, I i'm so I, I don't know if we get into the topic too soon but i do this a lot with my dad because it's like I, I think so many of us we haven't developed the vocabulary right and, and you know we'll speak in this sort of violent way and be like you need to do this or like that person's doing this wrong yeah and then it's like oh it sounds like you're feeling and then you put the label on it and then they're like yeah yeah and then it's like okay cool right? right let's we can explore that a bit I mean I don't know how much you go into this when you're you know trying to get them to line up but but yeah
0: no yeah no that's really good because then the moment that they say yeah is that moment of connection with them. Right. And you want that moment of connection with them before you move it even further on. Right. So it's super important. And I do I do that a lot. You know, I one kid had like broke down crying and it was from a pre- the previous group. And, you know, I just sat there. Mm. I talked with him. I let him cry. You know, I said, you know, you're safe here. You know, we're safe. We're sitting here now. Mm. Can you tell me? And we took some deep breaths too because he was kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> you know that like crying where yeah. you like can't catch your breath yeah. and I just breathed with him. Yeah. I took my deep breath with him. I said, "Okay, let's take some deep breaths and blow it out through our mouth and in and out and then he was able to like calmly you know tell me what was going on and his brother very sweetly went to go grab whatever it was that he needed and Aww. I was like you were just so like sweet to have done that for your brother thank you and you know Aww. and eventually once you see him and see him in his pain and sit with him in his pain mm. you know he was able to collect himself afterward and mm. and get back into the group and we can get started so a lot of times teachers don't have actually have that opportunity to do that because Mm. it's not so flexible. It's like, okay, we got to do this, this, and this. Um, Mm. When I take those moments and I try to cherish those moments with them and try to help ease their whatever fear that they had. Mm. And NVC happens in all different ways.
1: Right. (laughs) That's, uh, that's, That's so beautiful, Katie. I think you're actually, like you mentioned this thing that I think it's so important this idea of like you talked about sitting with people's feelings and their pain, and the funny thing, like like some of the stories Marshall Rosenberg talks about in you know in his book, like one of the ones that really stuck with me, it's that um, I think it's this it's this kid who maybe he's mute or like something happened he experienced some trauma and he had not spoken in ages, and Marshall just sits with him and like the patience of that man like he's with him I think for months and months right and kids not saying it and finally like months later he squeezes his hand and and for me it it just brings up this idea that it takes as long as it takes to make someone feel heard it Mm. might take like half a second it might take like more than a decade And, and the challenge in the world is like there are practicalities and yeah sometimes I know buildings on fire we need to get people out fine like take control but there's so many other times when like what's the real issue here you know and, and like sometimes it's like in 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 the context of work it might be like oh we've got to hit KPIs this quarter so we don't have time for people's feelings and it's like yeah but if we don't deal with this shit then 6 months from now those people are going to quit yeah
0: exactly mm. yeah exactly I, that reminds me of Simon Skink. I think he does the similar thing. It's like we need to hold their emotions with care in the mm-hmm. workplace too, because you're right. If we don't hold it in that moment, then it's just gonna show up right. later.
1: Right. And
0: that I just ex- pure example of that is I had this kid who I had something happen at recess, like morning recess, right? And it's the afternoon. It's long before we're going to go home in an hour. And all of a sudden, like something triggered this kid. And I was like, what's going on? Straight up, that kid was like, I'm still upset from what happened this morning at recess on the playground. And I was like, oh, my God. Duh because nobody sat with you Mm. and like heard you and understood you and seen you and all of the things in your pain that you were feeling right then, everything that was real for you. Like it just maybe got bypassed or no one was able to sit with that with him or her or whoever the student was. And I was like, that's right. Because if we're not feeling in that moment held, Mm. it's, We're going to carry it on through the rest of the day right? or years from now, whichever it's going to be. I'm hoping that, you know, I was able to actually go, oh, let's let's talk to me about this a little bit more. So, yes, pure example of that. That's exactly what that's like is we take it into then months to years. And then the morale of the workplace is then uh, Mm. no one wants to work there because it's we're not feeling valued in
1: mm.
0: how we're feeling and what we need.
1: And it, it, it honestly, it really like, this is one of the things that really drives me, but it's paying attention to the sort of smallest of things to really, and really maybe sort of actively getting people's what's the word. Um, I'm not sure if consent is the word I'm looking for, but like really making sure that they do feel heard, safe, understood, And maybe it's like a check-in, right? It's like, you know, hey, is it... And it it can't just be like, hey, you doing okay? And they'll be like, depending on the level of trust, they might be like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine, right? And it's (laughs) like, okay, we might need to talk about this some more you know if you'd like to right but it's like if you don't check these things it's like there are cracks in like the person's foundation or the relational foundation and sometimes those things manifest in big this happens all the time in like personal relationships like romantic relationships right like you're like oh listen can you do me a favor and come to this like work event with me and they're like you know, fine, okay. <laughs> right. And then you do that enough without really being like, what's the issue? And like, let's talk about this. And then two years later, they're like, I'm sick of this shit. Like, we're breaking up.
0: Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, the resentment then this gets built and built. Because right, right. we actually didn't discuss that, you know, what they needed to right. out of it or what you needed or what the, whoever it is. Yeah, it's it builds. And then it's almost to the point where it's really actually hard in that relationship to like, find the peace and ease or the harmony that you really want because there's so much underneath all of that that was happening in the beginning that probably needed to be like heard or seen or healed first exactly. and then, you know, work its way up to the other things that are in the present moment or I guess work from the present moment. I don't know. Right. I guess it would just depend. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, like a check-in. Checking in even just in the smallest of ways with someone can make their whole day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean.
1: Yeah. <laughs> definitely definitely I, oh. oh i wanted to mention i heard this thing uh, when you were talking about um i think listening uh to that kid like really sitting with him uh it reminded me of um uh, there was this thing i picked up this kind of like technique or tactic from uh, there's this book called it's called never split the difference it's written by this hostage nego he's like an FBI hostage negotiator. Whoa. Like this is like serious level shit. Like this guy, like literally is saving lives. He's negotiating, you know, terrorists down who want like millions of dollars and Whoa. ended up giving them like, oh. you know, ten grand and like a bag of food and stuff like that, right? But so what one, one of the things he says, he's like, if you're talking to someone When you make them feel heard, when you can really label the feeling that they're experiencing, they'll say, that's right, or exactly. They won't say, yeah, you're right. So whenever you're speaking to someone, if they're like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, they're basically just trying to get you off their back Mm. and they don't feel heard. But as soon as they're like, exactly, or like, that's right, then it's like, boom. That's what they're
0: feeling at. Yeah, there's the connection. You've connected with them right. enough so then you can go deeper into whatever right. you need to negotiate with them. Right. Yes, I see that. Or I remember mom in one of the workshops he did. Yeah. He said, and I, I bet you many other NBC people have said this as well. I can't remember. Oh, I think it was Mariana.
1: Mm.
0: When you know when you've heard them, they kind of go silent. They kind of don't know what else to say because they feel fully heard. And they're like, right. oh, like that pause of, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And just kind of quietly be silent. Right. You know that they fully feel it. They fully feel heard by you. And they fully are sitting in their feelings and themselves. And right. sometimes, like for me, there's nowhere else to go. After I'm hurt, I'm like, okay, cool, let's move on. I feel much better. Right. <laughs> right.
1: Well, well, that's that's <laughs> the other part of this. I think when someone, because because like part of the problem is we're always we're like, oh, don't worry about it, you know, feel better, or just just you know, like get out there and do some more stuff. And we're trying to push people to action when they haven't explored the pain fully enough, and that leads to suboptimal action. Like that leads to poor decisions, right? Yeah. So exactly like you say when people feel heard normally they're the ones that will like to wipe away the tears and be like all right okay all right I'm gonna get back out there you know I'm gonna get into that stance again like whatever it is they need to do they'll like voice that themselves right
0: Mm -hmm. yeah because it comes from the heart and it's almost natural that it would come out that way at the end once they feel all of that it's interesting I think it's And it may – some of us is, like, very unconscious the way that that works. Like, some of the time I'll feel heard just by one statement or something by somebody, and then I'm – I'm like, okay, cool. Right, right. (laughs) I don't have to keep repeating myself and repeating myself. There's these people too, like they just don't feel heard enough that they'll just keep saying the same story or they'll forget that they told you. I don't know. It's just they have a lot going on in their mind. So
1: you know know what's been hard for me? I've talked with you about this stuff with my dad, right? Yeah. So he worries, right? And I, I get it from him too. I'm a warrior. And he worries and he he cares about like I so I live with my mum and my dad and he he wants us to be happy and healthy yeah but he he worries a lot about us making choices that will you know cause us to fall into bad health so this heat stuff he's basically he like kind of forbade my mum from going out he was like you know and it wasn't like But it was like, don't go out, you know, don't go out, don't go out. And so she just, she didn't dare to go out. And it's, it's, it is pretty prudent, but, you know, she probably could have managed, she probably could have gone out in like the morning when it was a bit kind of, you know, not, not as hot. Cooler. Yeah. And so what, what I realized in this is my dad has made this great progress in becoming less angry. Like I've worked with him a lot in the last couple of years to, to not raise his voice and to speak his um to reveal what's on his mind without issuing directives mm. to people to be like you know i'm worried about this. you know he's still not as fluent as like you or ryan <laughs> sure but he's he's definitely he's definitely like controlled his anger a lot more but i think the next level is to control his inclination to control others and he's fearful. Yep. So but I, I didn't have the energy during this. I'm you know, I'm pretty exhausted at the moment. Sure. It's like summers. So I'm I'm like, I've done enough for now. I'm like I am just gonna let this one ride out. So we we just sucked it up and it's it's been okay after that. But yeah, but that was what I was dealing with the last couple of days.
0: Oh, the last couple of days, that's it can be really intense. Yeah. Because the sense of control is so hard because If it's not, if they're not controlling this thing, then they feel out of control. So then they feel scared because it's not in this controlled, you know, what's going to happen, controlled situation. Mm. But then all of a sudden I don't feel safe Mm. if it's not going to be out of my control. So, you know, controlling everybody else, if I can do that, then then I can feel safe inside of myself. Mm. It's so very interesting. So uh, it's yes, it's like, I think the same thing with my dad too, is I think he worries this idea that worry is care. Mm. Like if I worry about you, then I care about you. But if I don't worry about you, then it's like, I don't care about you. But if I don't worry, then if something bad happens, then I worried and I cared about you. And so this thing (laughs) that happens, you know, so it's, it's so interesting. I think that would probably be one of the things why I felt shame during my car accident was because he always worried about me driving over the pass where it was, you know, icy and snowy and accidents happen there all the time. And of course the day that, you know, it's like end of season, Mm. like the one patch of ice. And my shame is that if I tell him that I got in a car accident and almost died, that it would have been like, well, I told you so, you know, I worried about you. I told you. And I'm like, oh, so that was kind of the story that came with that and i don't think worry helps either person because either you're worried about this person and you care about them but then when the other person actually has something happen like say your mom got heat stroke and passed out not saying that happened just saying as an example then you know he would be like "Well, you know i told you not to go outside and then now we feel guilt or shame and feel like this horrible person for we have autonomy and choice in doing what we right. choose to do.
1: Right.
0: I can keep healthy by drinking lots and lots of water. I can drive slow, on, you know, during the parts that, you know, could be icy and, you know, just be very cautious and do my part to be safe, which, you know, I was on a beautiful day that right. all the snow was like pretty much gone. It looked like rock. And so here I am going, oh, my God. And... Yeah, it's just very interesting how that kind of comes up with worry, and how I don't know if it's very helpful in a way for us. Like, yes, it's a yes, it's a feeling; it's valid, mm-hmm. and is it helping anything? I don't know.
1: No, no, exactly. Completely, completely agree. <laughs> so, so my uh, my old manager, who's my mentor now, um, I'll give a shower out in case he ever listens to this. Jeff Sapadsky, taught me so much about life in the world. But he he's very big on this idea of we generally either make decisions out of love or fear, and that's the kind of you know it's always a spectrum. Um, but the fear based decision is yeah when we're worried about something and we you know flip out at someone and tell them not to go out in the heat or you know shame someone for making a mistake, right? Which yeah, it's so normal like it's it's you know it's human to make mistakes, right? That's how we learn, and so. Where we're making decisions out of fear, they're normally bad decisions. Right. Like it's okay, like it's okay to feel the fear, but then exactly as you say, when we sit with it, then we can process it, like take what's useful from it and not act out of fear, but come to a place of like clarity and love and understand and then make the decision from that point, Yes. right? Where we're free of like, well, we're not thinking about judgment and shame, but we're thinking like, well, what do we want? you know am I mitigating my risk here okay cool this is what i'm going to do and the the funny thing with like parents talk you know and, and this worries and the thing is it's like i you know i say parents but the reality is we do it with our partners as well right like um yeah you know if i know uh, a partner is not eating in a way that we think is healthy or exercising or whatever it is we might worry but then the point is like, it's almost like we get tunnel, like that fear gives us tunnel vision on this gotta keep other people safe goal mm. and forgetting the goal of helping other people to learn, right?
0: Mm-hmm yeah because
1: how how can you learn without failing like what we're going to do just put people in like a prison and a straight and keep them safe but like don't expose them to the world you know what i mean
0: yeah, you're bound to fail if you come out
1: right exactly <laughs> i mean
0: you, you'll have no idea what's going on right. you'll be like oh my god just continue to fail yeah i think that's part of learning i think i think fear is legit yeah. and it's also awesome to like take that fear by its horns and like run with it and some of the time it's okay oh. to fall down. Oh. I I remember in the acro like I was going okay you guys I really want to make sure I have your attention because this is challenging and could be a little precarious right and this one oh. group uh, section of the group was like it's unsafe I don't want to do it and I'm like wait a second <laughs> I didn't say it was unsafe to do or like dangerous to do oh. it's just I want you to be aware that you know we can get hurt doing any kind of thing right we can Ooh. trip on the sidewalk bump our head right
1: right i'm
0: not uh, i'm not in fear walking down the street even though that could happen Ooh. so yeah it's interesting how you take the fear and how do you drive it and then if we do make a mistake For me, my mantra is to get up and try again.
1: Right, right.
0: We can't go through this life without making some mistake or some failure in some way. And sometimes that is a story that we hold is like, I'm a failure. I can't do this. Right. And that stops us from doing a lot of things that we want to do. If we had that change of retrain our brain to thinking like, well, failure means that we're growing and we're learning and we're becoming a better human and I can do better next time. Like I, on one episode was talking about pronouns where I didn't know the pronoun of the student Mm. and I accidentally said, I think she instead of he. Mm. And and now in like in Acro, we've always done this. We sit around and we actually say names and pronouns so that we can Mm. find respect and kindness for everybody. I uh, failed to understand that back then to ask or you know to have set up that community and so I just keep learning and now I'm more comfortable with asking and I'm more comfortable with saying the pronouns of others because that's how they want to identify and I want to respect and be kind to them and have care in my heart because I want to make sure I include everyone and I'm learning and sometimes we make mistakes and say she instead of he or they and say he instead and or Z and Z I can't remember the Z's or Z or something like that there's the z one as well so it just takes some time and practice right. to make sure we get all everyone's names right and i just thought about this there's feelings when somebody says he when they're a she or identify as she
1: mm.
0: or the opposite or they how is it that they're feeling mm. it's my mistake i'll own up to it and how is it that they feel if you get it wrong and you don't know. And I'm like, oh, no. Right. I know I went off track. But it's that that right. growth of keep doing it. If you, we keep doing it over and over and over again and keep trying and keep yeah. pursuing that. Yeah. And we fail or make mistakes. And we just try one more time. We try again. Yeah. And eventually, we will work that muscle in our brain. Yeah. And our brain will it become automatic eventually.
1: Yeah. As you're, as you're talking about the failure stuff I'm thinking of like the judgment and shame like he, he you know you mentioned it before but like the stuff we experience from the people around us because i think i've felt this from my dad in the past and i might i might talk to you recently about um This uh, property that I bought a long time ago. Oh, yeah. And so I feel like I made a bad decision buying the property because it it hasn't increased in value and it's just been a massive headache to, to maintain and to keep tenants in it. And I regret that decision. And I've had some really difficult conversations with my dad about it in the last couple of years since being back home. And some of those, like, some of that difficulty was because. I felt like he was beating me up mm. for having made the bad decision, and and there were times I I like, I really had to say to him like, Dad, I know I made a fucking mistake, like stop beating me up for it, stop telling me I made a bad decision. Like I know I can't, I don't have a fucking time machine. Like I can't change it. It's like what do I do now? And it's and it's funny, right? Because the thing with the judgment thing is, more and more, I think about how i'm perceiving someone to be judging me right but then i'm starting to question it being like but hold on is this just me reacting to it is this actually an insecurity in myself do you know what i mean like is my mm-hmm. dad really judging me or is he, like he he's actually just trying to make sure that i've learned the lesson
0: like drilling it into you right? is that what it feels <laughs> yeah, like yeah, okay yeah, like into this. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beating you over the head with the hammer and going, hey, wake up. Right, right. But, <laughs> do you get it now? Right.
1: But maybe I'm having an adverse reaction to that because maybe I haven't forgiven myself for making the bad decision. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean?
0: hmm Or that beneficial regret of, like, self-forgiveness that I right, regretted right. this and I have compassion for myself and that I learned this lesson. And it may be too, that he... Maybe it's coming off that way, mm. but maybe he had an experience in the past that he's using, like, his maybe regret that he had. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Definitely. Telling
0: you about it. Yeah, and, you know, not all the time is having a rental bad right
1: right right
0: i was just thinking it sounds like a learning experience right like would yeah. i do this again how would i do it differently yeah. next time if i were to because exactly. you want it to be an investment ideally i mean what if you were making tons of money from this what right. if it was an airbnb what if
1: right right
0: like it's
1: right right it's
0: hard regret is hard because you sit with this so deeply yeah and yeah that reflection of what he's saying, what's happening internally inside of you with those judgments. I get that. How do we give ourselves compassion hold ourselves in that space?
1: Right, right. And I think, you know, I I mean, I was thinking about this from from my perspective that, like, I I, want to, I try to live with no regrets, but there are definitely things I've done in the past where I'm like, "Mm," you know, kind of wish I hadn't done that, right? Like, Like we all have. With each of those things... I'm still and I'm still trying to work through a few of those, but you know, I wanna believe that if I could go back in time and it's like the butterfly effect, right? If I change that thing, I don't know what else would have changed. Like I might have like a friend of mine said this um uh really nice thing the other day. Like I was I was looking for jobs a little bit earlier this year, and there was a uh I got this um someone emailed me about this job opportunity maybe six months ago. And at the time I was like, nope. I want to do my own thing, not interested. And then later I was like, oh, maybe I passed that up too quickly. That actually could have been pretty. And then she said to me, she's like, yeah, but if you had taken that job, you wouldn't have joined this effective altruism community where I ended up meeting her. She's now one of my closest friends. And like, I mean, I, I, I literally said to this, I I was like, I think we could have children together as friends <gasps> one day. Like if, that's you awesome. know, if things had worked out the way she, cause she would just be an awesome mother. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't have had that if, yeah, if I'd made like this other decision six months ago.
0: Yeah. And see, that's where it like comes full circle. It's almost like then you were able to actually see, how the universe worked out and the way it was supposed to work right, out.
1: Right, right.
0: Right. So the exactly. butterfly effect, otherwise, yeah, this, this, and this wouldn't have happened or this, this, and this. Yeah. So it's interesting how we think about regrets and then thinking about it when it's past how actually it worked out the way it should have been, or would have been, or like maybe would have been anyway. Who knows?
1: Right, right.
0: Ugh. so wait, I have. I'm so curious about the work thing. Okay. So you start had a couple startups or lots of startups. How did NVC? How did it work in the working environment? Because I'm trying to picture what it would be like when I was working at the surgery center, oh. where you have you know a center where a group of people work and they all have their jobs and what they're supposed to do. Mm. I was just thinking, because I didn't know NBC back then when I worked at the surgery center, so I don't, you know, I can only imagine now what it'd be like. But what is it like to have, like, NBC in
1: mm. in
0: the workplace like that? Well, Does everyone know it, or do you teach it to everyone, or...? So,
1: I mean, situations are always sort of there's always multiple things that contribute to making something possible, right? So I worked in a startup. Uh, I, I was the second employee at this startup and I was I was there pretty much from the start. There was like four of us at the start, two co-founders and uh, me and this other guy. And then the startup grew over five years to 30 people. And um, we brought in this manager, this guy, Jeff, that I mentioned. And he was very switched on to sort of emotionally, like, he, I mean, he's a very like, intelligent logical guy but he gets the sort of emotional side of leadership as well so he started talking about all this kind of love versus fear stuff right so somewhere between me being very authentic getting into brené brown's vulnerability his stuff around love versus fear right right (laughs) yes and and even one of the founders was also i'd say he's a very authentic person yeah um i really i you know it's one of the things i love most about him I think we started having some quite honest discussions about how things were going, and particularly on the sort of leadership team. So we'd have these like managers meetings where I'd be like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm feeling this. And what I realized is I have a need for and honestly, there were some times, Katie, when it was so it threw people and it was like awkward, <laughs> right? Cause I'm like right. I'm I'm like super fucking experimental, right? If I read shit in a book that I'm like, oh this sounds cool, I'll just fucking try it. And <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah. and sometimes people wouldn't know how to react. They'd like they'd be a bit like, oh, what do we do with this? Like really right. emotional information. That
0: right? uh, sounds like my dad. <laughs> right, <Funny>. right, exactly.
1: <laughs> so that was me trying to find my way. And it was funny because there were lots of people who were like okay don't get this and there were some people who were like totally get this love it let's do more of it and there were some people that like you know not for me right but over time there was this trend towards people seeing that the openness the dialogue was helpful and it's not like everyone was like an mbc practitioner by the end of it sure but i'd say by the time we sort of wrapped things up as a startup um we had a nice soft landing which was good then yeah there was just so much love and like openness like I, I, you know maybe not a hundred percent thoroughly but right. definitely like a lot had developed over the years
0: did you have group meetings with everyone
1: yeah like so yeah but what I find is people develop their own like um, any any group of people develop their own kind of language and oh. kind of norms and like phrases that are kind of do you know what I mean like I mean yeah. I'm sh- like, i like I feel like you probably have this with your like acro kids maybe with other teachers you work with with your family like friends all this that everyone develops their own kind of like in-group vernacular mm-hmm. so for example one of our things became um voicing the fear so whenever we're in like a, a group meeting and everyone's like yeah but we need to do this we need to do this normally someone would be like hey nick what's the thing you're afraid of or like katie what's the thing you're worried about and then they'd be like right.
0: "Oh, good question
1: <laughs> what is it i'm worried about right so that became like one of the most useful tools for us
0: oh interesting yeah. and you were able to receive that from the employee or whoever's on the team and not take it as judgment you take it as like oh my gosh like i'm fearing this thing and you have open arms right right okay
1: right exactly because it because it triggers empathy doesn't it like when when somebody's saying hey you need to you know speak to all these customers and and tell them this and then you're like why the f should i do that right. and i don't want to, you know tell them this thing right but then they're like oh okay well so like what i'm worried about is we need to ship something soon because we've got all these engineers who you know are getting frustrated because they're not shipping products so i'm really worried about having demotivated stuff i'm like oh I'm so glad you shared that with me. Okay, let's let's talk about how to solve that problem.
0: Yeah. Right? Right. So you hear each other first, really, Yeah. in that fear, that being scared, and then working towards finding the resolution or some way to fix it.
1: Right, right. Because,
0: I mean, in workplace, that's the thing. It's like... First, feeling heard really quickly because, you know, we need to get towards this goal. Right. We have this goal, but we've got to figure out how to get there. Right. And it sounds like you have that space to do that. And then it's hard if both people aren't feeling heard quite yet to move towards that strategy to get that whatever goal met, right?
1: Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. So uh... – <laughs> in certainly in the startup I was in we talked a lot about separating problems from solutions oh right so the idea being that Einstein has this quote that I love so apparently Einstein said if I had 60 minutes to solve a problem I'd spend 55 minutes understanding the hell out of the problem (laughs) and five minutes coming up with solutions for it right Uh so and the same is true with product development in tech startups so a lot of people they jump to oh we need to build this we need to build this feature and then you know two years of development you know so many millions of dollars go by and then it's like oh but customers don't need that don't have that problem or like we didn't really truly understand the, the real problem customers have so the idea is you've got to deeply, deeply understand the problem, right? you got to focus on that. And so when you surface the human needs, the vulnerabilities, the emotions, all that, you know, you ever have the iceberg analogy or the context underneath the water. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Right.
1: Like you see this little tip of the iceberg and there's all this other stuff underneath. Mm-hmm. When you start like understanding the stuff, and then you're really deeply understanding the problem. And then you can be like, okay, so any solution needs to tackle this, this and this. All right. Now let's brainstorm.
0: Yes, I really like that. That's almost like you're giving a, a lot of time to that deep understanding. Right. And this is so important to do. It's so important. Right. Because you're right. Some people just go on to solution and they actually don't really get it or they don't actually understand like what's actually really going on. Right. And then you can take, I mean, because brainstorming a solution with a bunch of people, I would have would be, could be quick, which is why Einstein was like, oh, right. five minutes. We can spend five minutes to figure out. Right. To understand is a, such of another delicate, deeper, skillful thing to have skills for. Right. And knowledge to have the skills to do that. And I don't know. I think it's a skill set that maybe it's. I don't know maybe it's hard to actually get to the nitty gritty of the actual problem of feelings and needs and that vulnerability of why we're here in this problem to begin with Mm. because it's scary to go there Mm. it's easy to say oh we could do this and we could do that and let's fix it that's how it'll work yeah and then at the same time then you're like wait a second that's not what it was about
1: (laughs) right right exactly and but it's it's I mean what we're talking about is just It's exactly what you did with that kid you sat with in his pain. Like you're there, right? Whereas most people would jump into solution space. You know, most people would be like, well, why don't you just get back up and try again? Why don't I get you a lollipop? Or, you know, why don't you just call your mom? Like, no. And you just sat with him and you gave him space to understand his problem. And then he was okay, right? Then he could solve it himself.
0: Yes. You know what's interesting about that? I was sitting with him, so I basically, he was sitting down on the mats, and I kind of just laid on my stomach, right? Because he was a tinier kid. Mm. I sat with him, being with the understanding part, right? Mm. His brother goes quick to solution. Right. Isn't that funny?
1: Right, yeah. He's like, how
0: am I going to make him feel better? I got to help him feel better. I got to help him stop crying. So what am I going to do? I'm going oh, yeah. to go get the thing he really needs and wants. Which, yes. Right. uh, sure yes please go do that and he had actually two of the things happening simultaneously which that's kind of interesting to think about he was one person's over there fixing the problem and then here I am sitting with the problem and sitting with the feelings and needs isn't that funny so that's what our automatic to do is and right. kids do the same thing like oh my gosh they're hurting I'm gonna go do this thing to make them feel better
1: right which
0: isn't sitting with their discomfort or being with right. their tears
1: completely and because you're trying to get to the deeper level thing right so like you know like may, maybe a, you know a kid falls over and scrapes his knee and someone's like oh get, get him a plaster but maybe you know what the kid doesn't say until you sit with him is like I failed at this thing and I've been, you know, I've been trying to like ace this move for six months and now I'm questioning whether I'm good at anything in life and if I'm ever going to have a career and he's having this like identity yes. crisis. Right. But if you're just like, yes. no, I'll get the plaster. I'll be fine. <laughs> you know, you never uncover that.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That's so true. Ah. Mm. This has been so good. This is a good conversation. Holy how what are we at?
1: Yeah, how are we doing on time? Yeah. Do a
0: check-in. How you feel? I'm
1: feeling good. I'm 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 a little worried that I've just been chatting about random stuff without being <laughs> particularly focused. No, no, like, no. How- <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't worry. No worries. No worries. Not that I'm uh, dismissing your worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is what N V C is. I was just thinking about this on the way here, is that, you know, it's the going, oh my podcast, like it's Is it what people actually want to listen to or like hear? The thing is, like, you go to workshops, you go to empathy groups, Mm. and bringing in the real life stuff, Mm. like workplace, that's real life. People go to work every day. There's very rarely people, unless you're retired, I guess, that Mm. in the workplace, this is, these are, Issues. These are things that are going to be coming up, and this is what we want to listen to because I want to know what's actually – what's in my real life. I was always always in NVC wanting to know, like, but this isn't real. We don't talk like this in real life, right? Like, I don't talk NVC structurally to the uh, kids that I'm teaching or to uh, teachers who are talking to me. And that's what this – I was trying to think, like, this podcast isn't about uh, finding – just one particular topic or talking about this thing it's about what is within that topic what is deep about that topic that is actually relatable with others and in real life Mm. and you shared stuff happening with your dad and you shared the things that happened with the startups Mm. and how nbc was included i think all of that is so important and maybe give some inspiration to others that Mm. oh wow i didn't know that this could be a thing in the workplace I don't know how many people use mm. NVC or have started. Not only did you do this, but you gave it mm. the opportunity for 30 people. Thank you. 30 people are able to go out and possibly spread that to another company that they may even start. Said, Hey, Ooh. I did this really cool thing in this other company I work for, and it really worked really well. Could I you know, tell you about it? And that is how we want to spread. And like it kind of wrapping it around at the beginning of what we were talking about. Like we want to shout it out from the rooftops, like the mountaintops. Oh. And that's how you do it. You did that. I think that's so fucking awesome. Like right. you started this. I just, huh, ah, I just wish that, you know, even in school systems, I wish school systems would do the same thing. You know, there's staff of 30 people, not including the kids, but staff. And it's important, like the family stuff, when people are living at home, things come up. And this is is, what's really truly happening in this moment. And it's how we observe what's going on. And our conversation is exactly that. It shows how human we are. You and I are human and everyone listening, you're human too. And we're all having this experience and we're trying the best that we can in learning how to use these ways of speaking in NBC Without coming off like, what is that language? Oh, you're doing, (laughs) you know, like you said, in the workplace, you had some people resisting that. And it makes sense because it's hard to be in tune with feelings. So I love, I just love this talk. I love our communication. I love like talking about all of this because in hopes that eventually it becomes something of a natural thing to do instead of like it's OFNR. It's like observations, feeling needs requests. Like it doesn't have to look Mm. like that in that specific order all the time. Right.
1: Right. Huh? Exactly. No. Completely. <laughs> yeah. Because I I think a lot of times, like uh, you know, change is hard. Heck yeah. So when something feels so foreign to us, I mean, it is literally like speaking in a different language to someone, right? So. If we can sort of pepper stuff in, meet you know, we, we you and I have talked a lot about meeting people where they are and just like gradually I mean, it is it's like teaching children, yes, right? You can't yes. teach them like advanced calculus at age four. You gotta like <laughs> yeah. start with your but you know, you gotta like build up to it right? You're supposed to be an advanced, they'll be like, what are you, you know, they just won't comprehend it. And that's where when we read this whole book, we devour it on NBC. And we go in and we're like, all right. Be like, that's what it's like. People are freaked out. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. I know. I was like, thinking about that and how it like probably came off to my dad when I'm, you know, trying my best to like do all these things. And It's standoffish. Like You just go like, what? Mm. Because you dive into it and you're like, I know this works. So I know this is going to work and I know I'm going to do it here. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, it backfired. (laughs) It didn't (laughs) actually really work the way I wanted it to work. So NPC can work in some situations. Sometimes it doesn't. Easing in, like you said, there's like little baby steps. Do it a little bit here and there. I can't get to calculus if I haven't learned the basics yet. So... Starting small, not diving into it head first. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness, how
0: funny! It,
1: it, I mean, it probably also just—I mean, like most things in life, it probably just takes longer to work than we want it to, right? Like, um, am and this is the thi- this is the thing with violence is like, you know, whether we're talking about physical or emotional violence, it feels like sometimes you'll get into an outcome that you might want because you're controlling the person or you're you know you're making them feel bad for this thing so you're like oh they won't do this thing again but what you don't see is the long-term unintended consequences that mm-hmm. you know I have, I have this really sad tragic story actually it didn't happen to me personally my mum shared it um can I can I share this with you it's um
0: yeah it's a
1: it's a short story my family's Sri Lankan. I was born here in London but my parents grew up in Sri Lanka and my mum told me we were having a conversation about something one night, and she told me about this this young boy. I think he was about twelve years old, and um, this is in in the Sri Lankan town where they grew up.
0: Yeah.
1: And he was riding his bike one day, and he got it stuck on a train track, and he got off. He got off the the bike and 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 sort of speaking to his friend about it, and. His friend was like, just leave it there, man. It's like, you know, it's too dangerous. And he's like, he's like, "Ah, but my mum's going to be angry with me if I don't bring home the bike. So he tried to get the bike and he ended up dying. The train came and hit him and he died. When my mum told me that story, I thought that's such a tragic example of where the fear of, you know, being judged, the fear of anger from a caregiver actually causes you, like, puts you in physical harm. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Oh, gosh. That really just hurt my heart to know our fear and our shame or our guilt or, like, I can't disappoint literally takes your life because you're so afraid to leave it. Like, Mm. oh. How old was this kid? I can't remember if you said that. I think
1: it. like 12, like young, yeah. 12, okay. Something like that, yeah.
0: And can you imagine we have these thoughts at that young of an age? And what's mm. so incredibly, awfully sad and tragic is that I hear it even in younger kids, mm. like first grade. I'm not good at this. I suck at oh. this. I'm I'm a failure in math or I'm, you know, I'm the worst person. Like, they already start with these poor stories in their little brains that are still developing. And oh. to think that, oh, could you, I just, uh oh, that kid, oh. that's so awful. And his friend even tried. Oh. And then to have that news portrayed to you know the mom does the mom know that they were so scared that they weren't gonna get their bike back home and then their life got taken instead like i don't the guilt of maybe shame of what she felt
1: yeah uh yeah uh i i i want to believe that i feel like as a culture I mean, it it definitely feels different in, like, our generation compared to our parents' generation. It does feel like there's more. I mean, and, you know, we might be in kind of echo chambers, right, because of the stuff we're interested in, in terms of, you know, we're hanging out with people who are self-aware and trying not to judge and shame. But I, I definitely want to make it a bit of a personal mission to just sort of spread that, like, unconditional acceptance and love wherever I go yes. and even you know tying this back into like work and tech like I would love to build MVC in some way into whatever I do like I'm thinking about building a dating app at the moment this and, is awesome you know I think some of these conversations when like when things don't go well with someone you know there's the ghosting or there's I mean a lot of times yeah people just disappear but I'm like how cool would it be to give the like honest feedback about you know what need isn't being met in a way that's not you know judging the other person not saying there's anything wrong with them but like hey this is just my need right
0: yes right and being able to be in that non-triggered space receiving mm. the unmet need of that person so that's a lot of oh what's the word i want to say like participating or contribution with both sides to Maybe be aware of that space of holding of oh, when you share an unmet need, I'm going to hold that space for you and try to put the stuff that's triggering for me aside for a second so Ooh. I can hear you. You Ooh. know it's hard when you on a dating app, you don't even know the other person and how right, they take right. that. Yeah, huh. yeah, but if the dating app was yeah. around NBC and we all had the same idea, then yeah. hopefully, like I, I talked to Eric about this, was like you would think the NBC community would be almost the safest place to to share the most hardest vulnerability parts of you. Yeah, so uh, you got to trust and feel safe with that person. It's not that they don't know NBC or do. It's that you got to yeah. build that trust from the foundation and safety with that person first before you can actually right. feel safe enough to share vulnerably. With each other. So, oh, completely. That's interesting. I yeah. would love to know how that's like in dating. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I'm not going to go there yet because I'm not, like, for me, if any dating's happening, it's not going to be happening quite yet. But eventually, I will probably be on this podcast telling everyone about my experience.
1: <laughs> oh, my, oh, my God. I mean, talking about like, you know, triggers and vulnerable like yeah, I feel like in in data this I mean, this stuff comes up, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since I had like a long term relationship, but I I look back at some of the stuff I said and did in previous relationships and I'm like, oh my God, I could have been so much more honest and vulnerable. Like I I could have avoided so much heartache for other people and for myself, right?
0: Oh yes. Yeah, if
1: I was honest earlier. Yeah. But it's a process, right? We we're all figuring out what we want and how to voice it yeah and yeah I just I want to help pe- I want to help sort of give people I don't know like guardrails or you know kind of paths to do that more easily I guess
0: yeah like uh bowling you know how you put up the yeah the- yeah yeah. yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> what yeah. did the, gu- totally. the ones that
0: protect the gutter from the ball going in the gutter what do you call those yeah guardrails I, I guess ju- guard- something yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: So we can just kind of bounce back and forth between each and then sort of like managely stay somewhere in the center and guide. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: (laughs) It's almost like it's better to say our feelings and needs or at least say what we are feeling deep down inside because right like the consequences or the things that the regrets or uh, that could happen in the future. It kind of just thinks like this is the present moment. We just got to say how it is that we're feeling and be totally authentic and genuine with people so that if anything were to happen to each of us, then we feel content or feel at peace with the things that we've shared without that heaviness. And, Oh, man i do
1: think there is yeah there is that that caveat that a lot of people will talk like i think Brené brown talks about so making sure that you can trust that like you can go to like i i try and be authentic with everyone but there are like degrees of authenticity right totally you know what i mean so yeah. when someone asks me how my day was i'll be like pr- like pretty authentic but Like if you ask me how my, I'll give it like a really authentic because I'm like, Katie's a safe space. I can say like, you know, a lot of things and she'll be like cool with it. But yeah, yeah, it's who you trust and doing it gradually, Mm -hmm. I guess, in a way and safely.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yep, Mm. there's definitely levels of vulnerability of where you Mm. who you share certain things with. Mm. And, you know, like my dad, he doesn't actually have the capacity right now to even share probably the deepest parts of me. He doesn't have the capacity to hear it and receive it. And Uh. I definitely don't, you know, want to put that type of stuff onto somebody who doesn't have that capacity quite yet. Uh. And because it then just be way too much, just too heavy. Right. And then I need to be open and knowing that that outcome of getting to sharing my heart with him. We'll just be on hold and I'll share with my heart with someone else. So, yeah, I'm definitely mm. choosing like how I open up to him and how I communicate with him is kind of meeting him where he's at. And if he's only communicating certain parts of him mm. to me, then I'm able to maybe share on an equal level of those parts of myself um, in whatever that conversation is. So it's very it's good to discern those things within those people and who you can share with and how you feel safe or trust those also because, mm. you know, it's it saves your capacity because mm. you don't want to be drained either. So you want to also keep track of how it is that your heart is and mm. how, you know, are you actually going to get what you want out of this Am I going to call it my empathy buddy and I just know that they're going to hear me? I actually Uh, am looking for that need to feel heard. So I know I've got to go to somebody who's going to soak in what I'm saying and then, uh, you know, maybe relay it back or find some needs or feelings, whatever that may look like, so that I feel uh, full versus feeling drained afterwards. So, uh, yeah, it's important to kind of really... Really pick and choose those.
1: <laughs> I I love the way you just described everything you did with your dad. Because I feel like that. I mean, that's almost the the sort of like textbook archetypal example of NBC. <laughs> yeah. Like you're there, you're looking after your own needs, talking about all right. Well, and uh, you know how you went to uh, your empathy buddy, but then also I love what you said about oh, how did you you phrase it? You said my dad. You said something like he um, he's not there yet or he doesn't have... But you alluded to this idea that it's not like he will never ever get there like he may but you know what I mean? You're sort of holding onto the possibility that he may he may get there and yeah. there's kind of this continual effort from you. At the same time, I feel like the standard you have for sort of, you know, the closeness you want with your dad and, and say probably the same with me, is probably higher than the standard our dads have. Right. Do you know what I mean? They're probably like, oh my God, our children are so like open with us. And we're like, we want to be more open. But to them, they're like, this is this is wild. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah,
1: It's funny thinking about
0: that. We have this hope. Hopefully it's not like an out of reach hope. Right, right. I think it emanates, you know, like if we just continue being us and learning and growing and being open, then eventually I bet you they'll catch on in a small way.
1: I think so. And I think as well, just like whatever happens knowing that, you know, we always did what we thought was right. We always like came with love and, you know, sat with them and received love. Like I think that's the important it's it's like for me it's never it's never just about succeeding like it comes back to this kind of no regrets thing like when i die Mm. i'm not going to count all the successes it's like you know did i do the things i believed in right can i can i die with integrity
0: yes with your values yeah yeah i don't know maybe nvc helps with that Mm. knowing of passing away without regrets maybe because you Are aligned with your values you're staying in your values and Mm. whatever that looks like for us say my dad passes away like now or something Mm. i would know that i did my very very best in every way that i possibly could stayed in my values was aligned with them and tried my best to communicate with him in those ways and I feel in my heart good about that
1: right of course
0: there's gonna be some times where I may not have and I'd have compassion and all of the ants that I would be able to say oh I did everything I can It's going to be okay, you know? He's wherever he is in spirit, probably understanding now a little bit more about why I was doing what I was doing. (laughs) They're like, oh, yeah, okay, I get what Katie's doing. Right. I bet my mom's like, oh, my gosh, you're on the right track. I bet she's probably just, hooray, I'm so proud of you. Because it's hard to hold space for, say, you and I to be holding their We have to be that person. We've got to hold their heaviness and meet them wherever they are. And that can be a lot for us because we know we're not going to get it back because of their patterns and behavior. So it can be a lot on the people who are doing the work. It just really is. And with the people who are not. And just to recognize that, acknowledge that, that it's hard work to do. And we may not get the outcome we want. And that's OK. Right. And they're just not on that journey. And that's OK, too. Maybe in small ways they will. And maybe in small ways they won't. And it's kind of like a holding peace with that mm. um, moving forward. Like mm. I just said this with my therapist. I said to her because I listened to Jake Ducey and he said he, this is where I got it from. He was like changing somebody's mind or like, say, teaching them in VC or trying to use them, use it with them is like changing the direction of the river. Like I literally can't physically change the direction of the river and I will never be able to change him in any way. All I can do is maybe toss a pebble in. Maybe the pebble will skip one, you know? So like, it's not going to do that. It's not going to change the flow of the river, Yeah. Eh, eh, but maybe in a small way I could add a little rock and maybe see what happens and see if it does a little ripple. So it's, coming with that acceptance, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel a little lighter. (laughs) I'm like, oh, because this whole time I'm doing, Dad, this works. Why aren't you, like, hearing what I'm saying, you know, like, I need this. And it's a fight, right, versus like, oh, I'm just going to allow the river to flow the way it's going to flow. And you know what? (sighs) Ah, <sighs> i can breathe i can feel lightness
1: <laughs> right right exactly and I, I think yeah i think you're right the acceptance thing and i think the other thing is i think that outcomes sometimes come like that that the true underlying outcome that we crave which like i know we talk a lot about our dads but in a way like maybe the thing we crave ourself is to feel like accepted and loved and we talk about our dads a lot because that's historically where you know we've looked for that thing right but one day we'll find more of that thing from ourselves or from you know partners or our children whoever it is and so but you, you see what I'm saying? All this work we're doing, I think we do get to the thing we truly need at some point, but just not in the way we expect.
0: It's not the way we expect.
1: Right, right. The outcome is like, is.
0: is oh almost like, oh my God, this is crazy. This is the, I didn't expect this and we found it within ourselves.
1: Right. right. We found
0: it deep, deep down because then once we find that love and acceptance here in our heart, we're not externally getting it from our dads, right? We're not trying to reach for the cloud of this thing. Yeah. Because the outcome is, or the strategy to get there of, love and acceptance is to be like hey dad i just want you to love and accept me yeah just the way that i am versus like oh i'm actually pretty grounded in the way that i am right i really love myself and i'm acceptance of that like i totally get what you're saying because the unexpected then goes oh my god this is amazing i feel so much grounded now yes
1: Exactly.
0: And that's okay, though, that it's not from them. It's not from our dads. Mm. But maybe eventually, in a tiny little way, that ripple might of love and acceptance might actually show in a way that we can then interpret as love and acceptance. Because mm. my dad, for the longest time, was like, NBC, this whole thing you're into is a cult. Right. He thinks that I'm like part of this like thing <laughs> right. that's, I don't know, stand around in a circle and burn things that belong i don't know something <laughs> crazy right he thinks it's this nutty way of communicating i'm like what from the heart right so when yeah when we can let go of the fact that i don't need him to accept that i talk differently right right i don't need this love that i particularly see in this way from him in that way right i can go oh he worries Right, oh, right. I know he right, loves me because right. he says he's worried about me.
1: Exactly.
0: But cuz that's his way he expresses his love is going, "And I worry about you. Yeah. I worry about you driving over the hill." Of course you do, Dad, because you love me and you don't want me to get hurt. Yes.
1: Right.
0: So I kind of have to interpret that.
1: Exactly. And, and and I think I think yeah, once because we've we do all this work at some point like you know when our fathers pass, I think we can because it's easy in like in the moments of frustration it's easy to write this story that you know they don't get it they don't love us they don't love us in the way we need or whatever yeah but I I think at some point we rewrite the story and we're like hold on a second they did all these things for us. They spent all this time with us. They, you know, yeah, sometimes they struggled and said, what is this MVC stuff or whatever? But they sat with us, right? And they tried. Yes. They tried to, I mean, they found it hard at times. But I think at some point we will just experience so much. Like we'll look at it with such a sort of loving yes. perspective, if you see
0: what I mean. A loving, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the love and kindness. Yeah. Ugh oh my goodness it just makes me feel much more abundant of love and joy for my dad Mm. in knowing all of those things that they did do for us when we were a kid Mm. and they see that and they want to be acknowledged for that and they want to be loved too isn't that interesting like here we are going love me i want to be accepted and then all of a sudden they're over there going i want to be loved and i want to be accepted yeah
1: exactly (laughs) And like you know, literally, it's so easy for us to gloss over like the years they spent wiping our asses and keeping us in diapers, and you know what I mean, (laughs) waking up and like all through the night looking after us now we're just like "Whoa, well, you never you made me feel you know judged for this thing when i was 18 but it's like so much it's like how did we get to age 18 without all that help right
0: yeah exactly without their help without their guidance and in the yeah. best way that they know how how would we be here today exactly yeah, yeah. i'm alive and breathing because they've somehow taught me that i can live independently and have my own place and a job right Woo! that's great right
1: exactly <laughs> Exactly.
0: And now it's my job in this moment to then learn and grow from what now is, I guess I would say, they've done their job in guiding me as much as they could. And now I get to take that guidance and learn and grow on my own and see where I go from there. So, mm. which is all about what kids do, is supposed to do. They're supposed to fly away.
1: Right, and right.
0: the parents are going, okay, I think I've done the best I can. <laughs> Off you go. (laughs) Right.
1: I mean in a way in a way they equipped us with these skills to to challenge them and learn these like cool things, right? So yeah, they did they did a good job.
0: Yeah, I think so. I definitely think when, you know, my dad passes, I I think that of both my parents. Mm. I think that they did a great job and did everything they can and I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for their love Mm. and their care when I was growing up. So I love both of them so much. And, you know, we all have mm. behavioral patterns within our family. And I don't at all hold that against them because it's definitely generational and it's definitely patterns of which they learned and their experiences growing up that they just may not have the awareness right now. And that's okay. And mm. I now get to write it, rewrite it, and move farther ahead and learn right. more and be excited about that and right. love them. Nonetheless, and love them more deeply almost I think because I have that deep compassion for both of them.
1: Right, right. It's like
0: a whole lot. I'm going, "Oh my gosh, I couldn't even imagine being what it was like growing up back then having the parents right. they had. Holy moly. They didn't have the resources we have today." Exactly.
1: Ugh. Yeah, completely. And uh, a generation from now, you know, maybe they'll be yeah, our descendants know people in our community who have sort of sprung forth from us in whatever way biologically or otherwise who are recorded some you know virtual reality podcast talking about how we fucked them up <laughs> <so>. yeah right <laughs> they, you know we need didn't be
0: oh that's ins-
1: continual evolution oh. that's what it is it's
0: gonna be all like all yeah. ais or something and aliens are gonna come down yeah. and <laughs> take right, over yeah, the yeah. world <laughs> probably be like what is this emotional crap yeah. why are they about this (laughs) oh too funny thank you so much for joining me on my podcast and being my co-host for this episode and
1: oh it's been so nice
0: so nice i just love how easy and flowing this is and it doesn't have to be like question after question it can be a very flow of conversation that's so mm. awesome to have and this is the type of conversations and dialogue that I want to have with a lot of people this is what matters most is creating these relationships and here's one that's being built from the foundation up with you and I love it it's starting off just so great to share similar mutual out mutual sharing mutual reality mm. haha All I right. could talk <laughs>
1: No, it's, it's been, it's been so nice. Yeah. It's, I, I don't think I've talked about this like so explicitly with someone who just like gets it and, you know, we can really just like vibe off each other. Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm so glad like you responded to the email and that's been a real pleasure. And yeah, like love to keep talking. So yeah, we can continue Conversations, whatever.
0: Yes, 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 yes. And don't be a stranger. Let's continue conversations. Be a guest again. And uh, we... And talk more about the stuff that's been going on. I mean, we might even have more things in a month or so that have happened, right? Right, and more things to discuss and bring in NBC and integrate it into our lives, just like we are. Like, we're living it right now. Like, this is living it, right? We're doing the inner work, and then we're also doing it with our families, which can be almost the hardest thing to do is to right, move exactly. home and do this work. Do- it was hard to do my own inner work living at my parents' house. Yeah. Cuz you're in the same house and it was covid and you're all stuck together. Oh my god, yeah. Woo! It's a lot. Yeah. So this <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's challenging, it's hard, it's all the things. Yeah. And we both are doing it. So let's high five to us. High Woo. five
1: for that. Yeah.
0: High five. <laughs> <laughs> uh Thank you, Jeremy. You are a rock star and keep up everything that you're doing. It's so good. I'll text Katie. Spreading the love, spreading NBC. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Living Connected listeners, thank you so much for being with us today. It was amazing and awesome, and I'm glad that you're still listening, and I appreciate all of you and my gratitude and hugs, just giving you big, big, big hugs wherever you are, wherever this day is taking you, and uh, don't forget to be kind to your heart and gentle with your heart, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Toodles, everyone. Toodles, Jeremy.
1: Bye. See everyone. (laughs)